Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Welcome into episode 173 of the Sources Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR podcast network. The Sources Say podcast is brought to you, as always, by our good friends at Justice Dental. You can visit one of their two Lexington locations by scheduling an appointment online or by calling 859-543-0700. Exciting news to announce today for our listeners. They are offering 20% off any whitening treatment to all Sources Say podcast listeners. Go to justicedental.com slash sources say to book your appointment today, or you can click the link in our show notes. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined, as always, by the one and only Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you? I'm fantastic. Starting to do better, uh, getting a little bit more separation between what happened last Thursday and and moving forward. And, and I think the last couple of days, I finally kind of flipped the page and started thinking about it. It's time to talk about what it might look like next year and and start looking forward. Because if you look back, you're you're still getting punched in the gut just over and over again. Yeah, that's kind of where I am. I've kind of moved on from the loss, still acknowledging that it's embarrassing, it's frustrating, it's inexplicable, it's unacceptable. All the 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 adjectives we described it uh, after the game ended and after the loss and, and kind of the dust settled on that. All of those things remain. The frustrations we still have about the program and its lack of uh, NCAA tournament success, still haven't won a tournament game since 2019. Uh, four total uh, games in that span uh, – in, in the postseason between the SEC tournament and the NCAA tournament. So uh, all of those frustrations remain, Sean. But, yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm starting to turn the page a little bit and start really focusing on the roster and kind of thinking, okay, if, if there's any silver lining of this loss, if there's anything that we can think, okay, if, if we have to lose in a manner the way they did, does it mean that, guys that were maybe more likely to leave decide to come back because they're heartbroken and devastated and think that they're, they, you know, left a bad taste in their mouth. Are they more inclined to leave because they just want to distance themselves from that embarrassment? Like how, how would they do that? So those are kind of, that's kind of next step. What, what I'm thinking through. And, uh, uh, we had our first, uh, kind of conversation with John Calipari. He talked talked on his uh, final post game radio, or I guess it was his call in radio show that wasn't a call in radio show on Monday evening, where he kind of sat down and kind of broke things down, talked to the fans, wasn't able to talk with the fans because he was out on the road recruiting, but answered some questions from like uh, you know Twitter and social media pages and uh, Facebook and all of that. So uh, it was our first chance to listen to what he had to say following the loss. Uh, I guess the, a couple of days after, because we got the post game press conference, but this was our first like you know real sit down with him uh, in the day since. And uh, uh, some mixed reviews, Sean. It was uh, it was you know I think he answered a lot of hard questions. Didn't necessarily dive into some of the how we got to this point and the frustrations that come with it. Why he didn't do certain things, those things. But uh, I think he did do a really nice job of answering uh, some of the the hard questions. Just kind of like, look, this is what it is. It's embarrassing. We got to figure out how to fix it and I'm going to do whatever it takes to fix it. So uh, we did have some accountability there. He says he takes all responsibility for the loss and, and how to adjust moving forward. He said, I had resolve last off season when we, when we finished the year as you know, the worst Kentucky basketball season of all time. Uh, and I have resolved right now. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to build the roster the way I need to. And uh, you do whatever it takes to get back to, to get this program back where it needs to be. So 
curious what you thought. I know you listened to it. What did you think of his comments and kind of some of the the bigger topics that he uh, that he addressed? Honestly, I I thought that he did a really good job with it. I, I thought Tom Leach did an even better job with it, with the picking the questions that the fans were sending in. I, I know when it was first announced that Cal was going to be pre-recording a show, majority of people were upset. I wasn't too mad about it. I still think that maybe he should have dedicated a show where fans call in, but also I get why they did it this way too. I mean, it, how nasty would it have been? How many calls would they had to dump? I don't know. People are angry right now, but I was kind of wanting to see how it went. And Tom did a really good job, Jack, of picking out the questions that I think fans wanted answered the most. They talked about shade and sharp. We'll get into all that. They talked about, you know, the disappointment and, and a cow not, telling people they shouldn't be upset. Like they, they talked about big picture, all these things. I thought he handled it pretty well. I, I thought he said some things that were very good. At the beginning, I was kind of, yeah, he's he's not really saying what I think fans want him to hear, want, him, want him to say. He was still talking about they're not machines, they're not robots, and can't make them all, or you don't have to make them all, just can't miss them all and all this stuff. But then about 30 minutes in, I think he really started to – kind of bring it back together and started talking about that it's not acceptable and that this isn't Kentucky and that they have to be better and that fans have every right to, to be upset about it and, and sick over it because he's sick over it. I honestly thought he did a pretty good job with it in that last half of it, and it kind of made up for for all of it. And I think that was the best thing you could do in that moment. Yeah, and, you know, we had Mitch Barnhart come on afterward and, and kind of switch gears just a hair before going back. I will – because it all kind of ties together. I thought Mitch Barnhart uh, kind of put it all out there. I thought he joined the show and said, look, what has been happening just isn't acceptable, and we need to get back to the, quote, championship-level performance that uh, Kentucky has been used to You know, for the entirety of this program's history. Uh, he said that he owes it to that this program owes to the fans. They spend so much money and time and resources following this team wherever they go so, you know he he praised the uh, crowd in Tampa praised the crowd in Indy said wherever we go these fans follow and the product on the court right now isn't isn't you know justifying the effort and in, in uh, interest that the fans have in this program it's not backing up what they're pouring into this program and he said it needs to get fixed we need to turn it around and I think that was the first time that we've kind of heard a public kind of pushback on not necessarily Cal, but just kind of the current state of the program, Sean. Uh, and I thought that was a really insightful conversation where uh, you want to hear your leaders acknowledge that a, a opening round loss to St. Peter's just isn't acceptable. It's not what this program is built for. He said this pro- program is built for championships. It's built to hang titles and, uh, uh, you know, title title banners and Rupp Arena and uh, all that. And, and he said, right now, we're just simply not doing that. And we need to get back to doing that. So uh, I thought that, that was kind of a nice uh, accountability conversation that Mitch Barnhart said, not necessarily directed anybody, not necessarily directed Coach Cal, but just kind of the program as a whole. Jack, I think that Mitch coming on and, and saying the things that he did on, on the heels of Cal saying what he did and and everything here at the, at the close of the year, I, I thought it was a very good conversation. I think Mitch covered everything that Kentucky fans wanted to hear, and I, I think that was encouraging. And, you know, that's not acceptable for this program. That COVID year, 9-16, and 16, not using it as an excuse. I hate saying that we can use COVID as an excuse or something like that, but John Calipari got a pass for that when it come to everybody kind of brushed it off and thought, all right, nobody in the building. Uh, this team didn't get the the normal Kentucky atmosphere and things like that. But then you look up and three of those dudes are, are in the league right now. I mean, and, and doing fairly well for themselves. So that team obviously had some talent on it that never could get it going, but he gets a pass for that because of the type of year it was. And then you talk about 2020, the the team that didn't get its NCAA tournament run or SEC tournament run. I think that those couple of things, you, you kind of give Cal the benefit of the doubt. He goes into this year, he has a really good regular season, and then things, the wheels fall off late. And, and I think it would have been easy for Mitch and some others to go on there and say, look, they won 26 games this year. They were ranked in the top five at one point. But no – I thought it was encouraging for him to go on there and say, this isn't championship level. We, we got to get back to playing championship level basketball. I thought he handled that very well on the heels of what Cal said. And, and I thought it was encouraging from, from all fronts to kind of hear that there's no excuses for this, that it has to get better. And, and kind of switching back to Cal, I do think that 
when he, he kind of gave some fluff answers there for a while and kind of eased into things. And like you said, uh, to start the show, I really wasn't all that impressed with what he was saying. A couple of things were like, oh, buddy, come on now. Like, uh, you, you got to give us something here. I mean, you, you can't just kind of you know give these fluff answers and all that. But uh, to his credit, I will say at the end, his quote, I, I have it pulled up. He said, I've said it in the past. This isn't for everybody. You know, it's not for every coach either. You've got to be willing. You lose a game, lose a game like this, and there's going to be a piling on. Can you take it? Because if you can't take it, you can't be here. Uh, we're like every year adjustments. Let's go. I appreciate all the fans. Um, I mean, we had fans after the game that were crying, consoling our players. Now, I imagine there were other people mad and angry, and you have that right. Uh, and you have that right. You have that right. We're Kentucky. I have the resolve, just like I did last year, to say I can't wait. It can't come soon enough. I've got the same resolve. You know, uh, you know who gave me that that resolve. This team I coached. As much as I want to be down, I was under those covers a couple of days. So as much as I want to be angry, as much as I want to be in despair, I told you I was for a little while. It's it, it is now all right. It happened. It stinks. It's even worse than stinks. Now where's the resolve? So that was kind of the first time that I think he was like, all right, this is a challenge. I have made my bed and I'm laying in it. And now I need to figure out how the heck to get out of it. And I think that's uh, what fans want to hear right now. I think they, they want to uh, hear the, I'm sorry. They want to hear the, this is unacceptable and acknowledge the pain that they are going through right now. And, and kind of say, okay, we put, you know, there, there are kids that people to spend their, their vacation time and vacation money to go watch this team play in the SEC tournament. And then, like we said in the last show, Cal's just kind of scoffing at it and saying, well, I don't care. I, I really couldn't care less about this event, whatever it is, what it is, appreciate the event for what it's for, but you know, it doesn't really matter. And then they do the same thing for March because they build up for this moment in March and then Cal kind of, you, you know, y y you lose. And I think that's kind of where the frustration comes from and why fans are like, we, we want to hear that you feel genuinely upset and that you're, you, you, you regret how things unfolded because you know, they, they pour everything into this program. They pour these fans are, are the best in, in college basketball for a reason. Um, so I, I do think I, I appreciated that side of things where he was acknowledging that fans have every right to be upset. If this is what it is, I didn't get this team where it needed to be. Mitch Barnhart said it, this, this wasn't where it needed to be. So as long as there's that accountability and, and understanding that, what happened these last two years cannot be done over again. Uh, and, and you'll continue the success that they had at their, at their uh, Tennessee at home and Kansas on the road and, and, you know, North Carolina in Vegas, we got to continue to build on those moments and take away what we saw uh, to close out the end of the year. And I guess that transitioning from that and, and there's some other, you know, kind of season takeaways and stuff we've got to get to, but uh, Sean, it's draft season. It is transfer season. It is what's this roster going to look like moving forward season. And uh, we got our first bit of news. We, I believe it was Travis Branham broke the news on Sunday that Damian Collins would be coming back for his sophomore season. There's a lot of talk throughout the year that, uh, you know, he's not playing any and he's kind of one of those high potential guys that, you know, maybe he wants to try his luck in the NBA or maybe he wants to transfer somewhere closer to home, smaller, uh, smaller school where he can kind of show his potential rather than kind of sitting on the bench. Uh, he's the first to make his decision. He's coming back, Sean. And, and I think that's a a major, major decision for this program. Uh, just kind of get your thoughts on what you think of of the decision itself and what it could mean for Kentucky's front, front court next season and beyond. Very good. Very good decision on Damian's part, his family's part, and everything for, for him to come back for a sophomore season at Kentucky. I, I think the upside that he has – and the potential that he has, he needs to live in the weight room this summer, needs to continue getting stronger, but ultimately he just needs minutes, Jack. And I think that there were opportunities this year for John Calipari that he probably should have played Damian a little more than he did. And we're, we're talking about Damian Collins, the guy that John Calipari said just, what, three weeks ago would be the reason they win or lose an NCAA tournament game, and then he didn't even play in the NCAA tournament. So – I don't know exactly. I'm, I'm not in those practices. I don't know what exactly was holding him back. If it was just his frame and his strength, and then certainly they can work on that in the weight room. But this is a huge decision for him. And I think the approach that they went into at Kentucky, knowing that he was going to be a project long-term here, but the upside and the potential, this is where if you go in with this mindset, it's different. 
because if you come in thinking you're a one and done and you're dead set on being a one and done and it doesn't work out, it can eat you alive. I don't think Damian entered this year at Kentucky or anyone in his camp and those that closest to him thought, okay, he's a, he's a surefire one and done. Maybe he catches fire and surprises some people and plays a ton of minutes and gets stronger, but it's all about the mental and the approach to this thing. And I think the approach that they took to this thing at the beginning of the year is, is it makes it easier to make this decision now and know, okay, sophomore Damian Collins can be a lot better than freshman Damian Collins, but ultimately Jack, whether he puts on size or not, he just needs to play because that's the only way it's ever going to get where he wants to go is to play through some of that. And speaking of what Cal said during his show, he, he didn't, he didn't explicitly address Collins coming back, but he kind of sorted it, Sean. And, and uh, you know, didn't, he didn't want, I don't know if he wanted to steal his thunder or if, if Damian wanted to have a, year two tweet or whatever he wanted to do. But uh, he talked about the possibility of Damien coming back, said that we met with every single player with the exception of two, said that one had a broken phone and the other went home uh, immediately after the game ended. So he hadn't, hasn't gotten to talk to two, but he's talked to everybody else on the roster. Uh, and he said that um, that Damien met with Cal and both of his parents, and they kind of had a, a very heart, big heart-to-heart kind of one-on-one conversation that said, look, we we love where you are long term. We we this is you know you're right on pace with what you want what what we need you to be. Um, and basically said that I think that he's going to be one of the best players in college basketball next year. He said that hey, he's a cornerstone of this of this pro, of this program, and that they have you know utmost belief in him as a as a a, a long term lottery pick, high end guy. I mean, look, he's six ten, seven foot five wingspan, jumps uh, out the gym. You can't find his type of athleticism and his. Uh, length anywhere in college basketball. You just don't. You, it's hard to find it in the NBA. So it, all it takes is for him to put that potential, that length, that that you know, long term stuff into the immediate term and kind of turn that put that potential into production. And, and Sean, I think it's pretty clear why John Calipari would say that uh, he thinks he can be one of the best players in college basketball next season. And uh, for 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 Cal to say that and and admit like, yeah, I probably should have gotten him in throughout the year, and it probably would have been better for uh, his development, but. It is what it is. I, I should have done this, should have done that. But now that we know what this kid is and what what he can be long term, we're going to make sure that that we're going to milk it for as, as much as we can and get as much production out of it as we can. I, I think him coming back is is just unbelievable news. Uh, kind of you don't know what's going to happen with Oscar Sheboy. We'll talk about some of those other transfer and, and draft decisions here uh, in just a little bit. But uh, to have that kind of guy to to come back and not necessarily anchor the front court, but a a, a serious foundational piece in your front court. Uh, I mean, you really couldn't ask for a better piece. And I did I did think it was interesting, Sean, that. Uh, Cal said that he he projects as a long term four and he will be a four next season at Kentucky no matter what. So yeah. uh, I do think that it's interesting even no matter what happens with Oscar Sheboy whether he comes comes back or goes pro uh, that that he kind of sees him fitting in at that four position. Yeah, and and that was the thing that I was actually going to say is you got to find out how you're going to play him. And to me, it's stretch him out and let him take some perimeter shots. We we know that that's an area of his game that he's added and, and worked on. Now, we saw the two 15-footers this year not succeed. We saw them way off the mark. But I think that's a guy with more reps and, and more game reps and experience that that shot becomes comfortable for him and stretch that thing out to the three-point line. And if, can he become a face-up four? in today's basketball world. I think that would probably be the best thing for Damian on that end of the floor. And then a defensive presence on the other end of the floor with that length and uh, versatility that he has there and in his frame. Uh, that's why I'm wanting to see him play more early on next year. And I think there'll be a commitment to get him early minutes. One big thing too, in his development, Jack, uh, it's not set in stone, but John Calipari has mentioned it, that they're working on getting the, the foreign tour to the Bahamas again. So you'll get four games or so there in the Bahamas where you can see a sophomore version of Damian Collins and kind of get an idea of how these guys want to play and, and how you want to play your fours and how you want to play your fives. I think that's a big development for a, a roster where we know they're going to be under a lot of pressure. Like, to me, all the teams that Cal has had at Kentucky, the one that's coming back, whoever it is, if it's a ton of experience coming back or a lot of new faces – it's going to be under the most pressure of any team he's had at Kentucky, just given the, the recent 
trend that they're on. No NCAA tournament win since 2019. I know that sounds a lot worse than it is considering there wasn't a tournament in 2020, but this roster will be under a lot of pressure. And I think that that Bahamas tour will be a good thing for this team to kind of get their feet wet and get some basketball under their belt and and get together. And and I think the more they have come back, the better, obviously. But if they have a lot of new faces, at least they get those games to kind of work it out. And Damian's a guy that needs to take advantage of that. And yeah, I completely agree on the the Bahamas nose. And and I, I think that's what this team needs. If anything else, it's, it's games that we're missing right now in the NCAA tournament, that round of 32 sweet 16 game or whatever. It's more reps, more opportunities for these guys to play real games until next season. And uh, so any chance you can get with that, I'm all the way for it, but. And gets uh, the taste out of our mouths a lot sooner too. Like basketball will be on the TV in August instead of November. And off the season and the ending that they just had, like the sooner the better for everybody, I think, if, if they can see something positive. And I thought that that announcement or that report from Travis coming out on Sunday come out at a good time. Fans were still low. Mm-hmm. It didn't get the fan base like uber excited, but it was enough to generate, okay, some good news. It's not all doom and gloom. If they can get some more of that over the coming weeks and months, I think it'll be good. But we also know that there'll be some disappointing stuff mixed in uh, with people leaving and everything. But uh, just needs to kind of outweigh – the good needs to outweigh the bad, hopefully. And on that note, we did kind of get our first glimpse of not necessarily bad news, but it's the first time that John Calipari has kind of gone away from the narrative he's pushed all season long about Shaden Sharp and uh, the possibility that he comes back and the plan that they've had in place. Uh, basically, from the minute he set foot on campus, Sean, it has been uh, it doesn't matter if he plays this year. All we care about is next season. We want to get him in the strength and conditioning program, get him used to the system, get him used to campus, you know, get him used to life as a, as a Kentucky Wildcat so he can come back in 2022-2023 and be ready to lead this team because that's the type of player he's capable of being all season long, even after the the uh, NCAA tournament loss to St. Peter's, they they asked him about it and said, okay, well, do you kind of regret not playing him now? You know, that's 20 full games that you that you played where he was on your bench or at least, uh, you know, on campus and you didn't play him. Do you regret that? You know, what are your thoughts there? And he said, yeah, we actually sat down and, and I had a couple more conversations with Shaden and his family, even after they announced early February that, uh, Shaden was going to be sitting out all th- the rest of the season. He said he even had further conversations with Shaden in his camp, uh, kind of addressing the possibility of of playing the, to close out the year and said that they kind of got close on a couple points, uh, just never got close enough to pull the trigger on it. Um, and then they kind of, uh, during his his radio show, he asked that he got asked about the possibility of Shaden returning and, you know, is your confidence still what it, what it is, uh, what it was all season long when he got there? And this was the exact quote that he gave Sean I want to get your take on what uh, on what it means and uh uh what your gut is as as things stand uh, as of uh March 23rd afternoon so he said well we sat down we talked to him you know I talked to him and I talked to his mom and dad I think he's I think he's got to explore but he's got to make a decision on all right do I want to do this now am I ready for this right now it is uh, is it where I thought I where I thought it was or where people are saying as you go through the process the information comes back from the NBA not an agent or anybody else around you it comes from the NBA you have a better idea of what everything is and until these kids all get that information it's hard he's another one I hope I get a chance to coach him in real games i've really enjoyed him in practice and enjoy him as a young person i mean he's one of those guys he's a special talent does that uh what's your panic meter uh as things stand uh as of uh march 23rd at 5 15 p.m i think honestly i didn't get into this a lot during the season jack because there were, we were so busy talking about the team because they were playing so well and but my panic meter has always kind of been a little bit on the higher end that has been on the lower end with this just because I, I hate the whole situation because I just don't see any scenario where John Calipari wins in this unless Shaden is on the roster next season in their go-to dude. Like if if Shaden has been saying all along and Shaden's camp's been saying that he's going to come back next year, that this was the plan, John Calipari kind of had to take them at their word, right? Like he had to believe them in that situation. And if they lied about it or if 
and I won't say if they lied about it, but if things change, we know that Shaden's not going to get – there'll be some criticism there, but is it going to matter for Shaden because he's going to be off to the NBA? The criticism is going to be put on John Calipari. And I just think that this season it was difficult. Like, how many other coaches in college basketball would have taken Shaden Sharp the first day of January? What, 98 99%, maybe even 100% of colleges would have taken <laughs> Probably it? Probably 100 And I'm not – Probably this, 100 And this isn't me sitting here trying to defend Cal, but I just think that this has been a situation where – I'm not ready to blame him if this backfires and Shaden goes to the league because everyone else would have done this, I think. But when they got to that point in the season and they sat down and they made the decision to not play him, Kentucky was clicking and looked like the best team in college basketball, and its backcourt was arguably the best in college basketball. And then when Cal said the other night that they had more conversations, we don't know when those conversations occurred, Jack, but me – I'm thinking it happened after Tata's injury and after Wheeler's injury. I think maybe they looked at it going into that week of Alabama thinking, okay, we're thin. Are these injuries going to be two to three weeks? Can we work you in here? That That's where I think Cal made the mistake last week and even mentioning that there was another conversation. I think that that opens the door for more criticism. And then him saying, yeah, he could have been a good player for us this year. I think that kind of throws more on Cal if he ends up leaving. But – Right now, knowing that he's that talented and that he's showing up on lottery projections, if he tests the waters, it feels like the kid that's going to be able to hear what he wants to hear. That makes me uneasy because I know how important he is to this roster next year. If they have Shaden Sharp, I think all is going to be okay. If they don't have Shaden Sharp, you're not going to the portal and getting a Shaden Sharp. You're not going to the portal and getting an Oscar Sheeblade. Those are the two guys you can't get in the portal. You can go to the portal and get probably 150 Keon Brooks. No, mm-hmm. offense, no offense to Keon Brooks. You can probably go get 150 to 200 Davion Mints. Savir Wheelers, you need one of these two in Sharp and Oscar to come back. And to me, Sharp is the guy because of what he does for you at three levels offensively. And that and it gives you back to being that that cool program again with the possibly the overall number one pick in the draft. But I'm a little uneasy about testing the waters because that feels like a kid that when he gets in there and gets evaluated, they're going to fall in love with. I mean, I will go back the interview that I did with his coach and his mentor back. You know, I think I can't remember. I talked to him a couple times and each conversation was 45 minutes worth of, of really in-depth stuff. So I can't remember which which interview it was. I think it was the latter one. It was because it was after uh, the the report of him. Uh, being draft eligible came out and I called him and, and talked to him about it. And he was like, yeah, this wasn't a shock. This wasn't a surprise. We've known this the whole time. People are being dramatic about it. Stop, stop overreacting. And then I asked him, <laughs> Sean, I think it was kind of a revealing quote. I said, is he going to test the, test the draft waters if, you know, regardless. And he said, hell no, he's not testing the draft waters because if he works out in front of a team, they're going to take him in the top five. And if that's the case, he sure as hell ain't coming back. And when he said that, I was like, oh, so all we need to do is wait until he officially puts his name in in the draft and at least test the waters. Because if that's the case, then he's gone. So I kind of wish he didn't say that when he did. But at the same time, it's like, well. They called their shot from day one. They said if he puts his name in the portal and or puts his name in the in the draft and, and explores the, the waters and works out for teams, then he's gone because he's going to blow up these these workouts. He said once once NBA teams get to see them with their own with with their own two eyes, uh, there's there's no chance he doesn't uh, that uh, that he doesn't go. So I was like, yeah. oh, that's well, not a good quote. No, and and that's the part that got me because I mean I remember your story and everything about that, and I'm sitting here thinking, God, if that kid tests the waters, like uh, he he's going to stay on the boat and take it all the way to the NBA because that's just the type of kid that, I mean you're you're not going to you're going to look at that kid and evaluate him and say, wow, this kid's the real deal. But the, the only thing that I think maybe if if they didn't would be I want to see you in kind of a bigger sample. I want to see you in that collegiate game at Kentucky and see how you play, but. Given the way Kentucky's been offensively, the criticism with John Calipari's archaic offense and stuff, you kind of wonder, do they look at that and think, does this hurt my draft stock if I go back and play? And I'm just bringing all these things up that I think people are going to mention. So there's it's a big decision to make. But when it goes back to Cal, you mentioned that it wasn't a surprise that he was going to be draft eligible. Do you think John – I'm just asking you, do you think John Calipari knew that before he enrolled early, that 
this was going to be part of the plan that maybe that he would be draft eligible. I think Cal and everybody knew that. I think we all knew that, yeah. that by the time this I mean, come around. So here's yeah. my thing. There's going to be people that's going to criticize Cal for taking him. Let's just assume that Shaden leaves. There's going to be a ton of criticism on Cal, but here's my thing. Let's say that Cal said, nah, you're draft eligible. I don't want to put my program through this. But then Shaden doesn't go to the draft, and then he goes and plays somewhere else. Then who? Then how much criticism is coming? Is it more criticism that he didn't play here or criticism that you said, nah, he's, he's going to go to the draft and get drafted all? I don't want to do that to my roster. I don't want to bring you in early, and then you leave. And then he goes to Kansas or somewhere and plays and, and is the number one overall pick. What gets more criticism? Uh, easily second second yeah. option absolutely it, it's that's why I'm, i don't this is one thing where i'm not going to hammer cal over because Definitely i just not. i've thought for the longest time that this was one of those situations to where he's literally holding on to the steering wheel for dear life hoping he keeps it on the road the runway because or the road because he needs he knows what type of talent shaden is shaden is the kid that was supposed to get them back to getting kids like shaden yeah and and that's why it's so big that and i'm just I just think you got to kind of take them at their word for right now that he'll be at Kentucky until we know something different. And if that's the message that's been portrayed to Cal, then what? I don't really know how much we can criticize Cal. I guess the criticism then comes down to should he have played this season? But ultimately, yeah. it's not. It's not always up to Cal. I mean, it's kind of there's a it's two parties here. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I will say that every conversation I've had with his camp, uh, his mentor, his coach, they've said that Cal didn't even know that when they made the decision to enroll early, he said that we did everything on our part and said, we're doing this, 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 and this, and then told Cal and said, we'll see you in a couple weeks. Like there wasn't a, hey, what do you think about this possibility? It was a this is what we're doing. You you take it or leave it. If you want us, then you better take us right now. Because if not, we're going to go pro or we're going to go somewhere else that will take this possibility, take this risk. It was never a, even a, a back and forth dialogue about, uh, okay, well, maybe we should think about this. Should we do this instead? It, it was a, we are doing this, take it or leave it. And Cal decided to take it. And if you, if you, if fans want to criticize the taking it part, then so be it. Because in his mind, he saw it as a potential number one pick, whether he played or not, uh, a potential number one uh, pick practicing against guys like, you know, Kellen Grady and Davion Mintz and Ty Ty Washington and Xavier Wheeler every day, providing that, you know, high end offensive spark plug, uh, even in these open runs in practice that, uh, okay, you guard him and, and you have to defend a pro in practice. How is that going to help def- defense? Clearly it didn't work the way they, they thought. And, you know, had Cal had a do over, maybe he does reconsider that, but in that, in the heat of the, the moment, there's no way anybody listening to this, anybody that were in, in Cal's shoes would have done it differently. I mean, it, the, you have the number one player in the country saying, hey, we want to come early. Maybe we play early uh, or play this season. It's a long season, 20 games potentially that we'd be able to play. You never know. So uh, you can't fault Cal for taking him or going through the process. Sometimes it just is what it is. I, I was told from the start that Cal was kind of at – their mercy and said, all right, well, we just got to do what we got to do and, and get what we can get out of you. And yeah. Is there a chance that, that we never get to see him play a, a minute in a Kentucky basketball uniform? Yeah. That, that's a real possibility. And I think it's growing more and more likely by the day, but uh, I still think it's more likely than people think that he's not because they have such a strong relationship that this is a uh, a Canadian pipeline that neither side wants to give up because there's a lot of money to be made long term with, uh, you know, uh, the Canadian side of wanting to send kids to Kentucky and be the next Shea Gildas Alexander to be the next Jamal Murray to be the next uh, even Shaden Sharp like there there is a lot of pressure on their end if they screw up this relationship then then. People are going to say, nah, we don't want your kid. You know, that that type of relationship is is very important to both sides. Uh, so it's kind of been a promise 
from day one that they're going to do it. And yeah, it, it amounts to nothing more than a pinky promise. And that's a scary ass position to be in, but uh, it's not one that, that John Calipari would do over. I guarantee you if he had the chance to, and, and I certainly wouldn't, I, I wish it worked out better. And if it is what it is and he does leave, then that sucks. And you're not going to find a replacement in the portal. That's going to give you 20 points per game and an elite top five level type talent. But you gotta, you gotta, you know, go with with how things lay. I mean, that's just kind of is what it is at this point. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I've never broken a pinky promise ever. (laughs) (laughs) Never. Like those are uh, they're sacred. They are sacred. I even twist around and put the thumb together and do the heart and kiss. Like that's, (laughs) I'm dead set on it. If you pinky promise with me, you you know that I'm doing it. <laughs> let's hope. Let's hope that Shaden Sharp and his camp did the uh, the uh, loop around kiss method that you had for for years with Coach Cal. Because if that's the case, then I don't think I don't think there's any reason that any of us should be worried about uh, about this situation. Just trying to find some humor in it. It's, it's been a long. <laughs> it's been a long six days. <laughs> You'll give us a scouting report on St. Peter's, Jack. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> <laughs> no, I stand by what I said. That that team is was was not good enough to beat Kentucky. It is work. I I will stand by that for till the day I die. Maybe I was bamboozled and they, it was just the biggest poker face in the history of poker faces. But they're, good they're, God, that team they're probably sucked. they're probably sitting there just laughing like God, we got that guy. We, I know we, of all the morons to take the bait, I was the I was the one idiot that did it. They're like, man, we're gonna walk out there and look like the biggest bunch of hustlers on the plane that have no you know dribble the ball off our feet and our knees and off our hips and break shots miss layups miss dunks they were missing dunks sean like they were going up and and the ball was slipping out of their hand before it got to the rim and they were clanking balls off the rim on on breakaway dunks it was like this team is the worst team i've ever seen in my life i I cannot stress to you enough how awful they looked and then they go out and beat freaking kentucky in the first round it's just God bless America. Yeah, it's it's in the past <laughs> now, though. We've we've got to move on. It's what we're trying to do, and a lot. This is a huge off season. This to me, this has put John Calipari at a crossroads again. Uh, I wrote about that a couple of days ago, actually, and then and talked about it some that that this is a crossroads where you've got to look at yourself in the mirror and say, all right, we have to do something here moving forward. And, and I think that they will. I, I think that Cal will put a roster together, regardless of how many people come back. They're it will be a competitive roster, but they need a couple of things to fall in place and, and go in their favor. Yeah, and I guess uh, on that note, let's just kind of go through and uh, kind of start wrapping things up here. But uh, we need to start kind of thinking who stays, who goes, you know, incoming transfers, how many how many different players Kentucky reaches out to and and hits and and takes their scholarship in the portal and so on and so forth. You know, how many guys – uh, do they need to add based on how many leave? Who do we expect to leave? Those type of conversations. That's where we are right now. So um, just kind of quickly, I guess we don't need to go a player by player deal yet because there's, you know, we'll probably record another show this week as, as more um, stuff, you know, the, the dust settles a little bit, you know, people come back to campus or, yeah. you know, they have more of these, these one-on-one conversations, and, but and we hate uh, to assume people going to the portal. Like we hate to assume it without. Yeah it actually happened. Like it's, I mean, you're going to get the, everybody's going to assume certain things, but we have no idea until that is actually official. So we're just, I mean, I'm, we're going to be, this is, this podcast is going to be nonstop for the next month. I I have no doubt. No. Yeah, it it will absolutely be. But uh, until we get to that point, I guess right now, as of five 30 on, on Wednesday afternoon, uh, is it, wait, is it Wednesday or Tuesday? I can't even this remember. This is Wednesday. Wednesday, March Wednesday. 23rd. Goodness gracious. Uh, as of Wednesday, March 23rd at 5.30 p.m., um, give me your give me your rough draft. Who who do you predict comes back? Who do you predict goes? Wait, wait. This is how we're doing this? You're going to put me on yep. here? I, I'm oh, going to put you on the spot. You know, give me I, give me your return, your uh, returnees and who stays, who goes. I've been going back and forth on this, and – of, I'm going to start at the top. Like the two guys, I'm going to put them in categories here. When it comes to Shaden and Oscar, I think those dudes are in a category. You could throw Ty Ty Washington in there as well. I think they get one of those guys back. 
I don't know who it is. That's just my gut. I think they'll get a surprise, and, and one of their guys that they're wanting to hold on to for sure and they need will be back. I do not know which one of it, which one it'll be. If they get two of those three, then I think Kentucky's cooking going into next year. But if, if they get one of them, I think everything's going to be okay. Savir Wheeler, I think, will be on the roster next year. C.J. Frederick, of course. Jacob Toppin is my pick out of him and Keon. I think Jacob Toppin will be back. We know Damian Collins with that report. Then you kind of start getting into the, is Lance Ware, is Bryce Hopkins there, is Dante Allen still there? So Dante's situation is, is interesting to me because we don't know. Like, what does his future hold at Kentucky? He wasn't able to get minutes this year. I, I don't know with the guys that we expect that they have currently, if they return, if they go to the portal, does he get minutes next year? I don't know, but – I think those three right there are going to see some portal action, either between Ware, Hopkins, Dante. I just don't know yet enough to say, yeah, I think they'll be back. I, uh, my gut says all three of them are gone. I don't know about you. I will say that I have already begun having conversations with people in in each of these respective camps and starting to uh, kind of lay the foundation a little bit. Um Dante is having conversations with Cal this week um, that they are going to finally have the sit down one-on-one meeting of what's going to happen. Is my future here at Kentucky? Do what's your plan for me, especially what's your plan for me? Because I think there is a lot of frustration on that end uh, about the lack of minutes, the lack of opportunities. If Kentucky's, dying offensively and defensively you know you can't say Dante didn't get in because he isn't good defensively because the whole team sucked defensively at the end of the year so it really wasn't a uh, you know how did we get to that point without seeing him play without seeing Bryce play without seeing Damian play those things so I do think that Cal needs to send a very clear message if he wants Dante to come back and if that's a relationship that can be repaired but uh, uh, Sean that's that's definitely not one that I'm anticipating uh, is resolved I expect him to hit the portal at some point and I wish him the very best if that's the case I want him to go somewhere and average 45 points a game and hit 10 threes a game and and just absolutely kill it because he's a great kid great person great family and and uh, i i do i do want him to have success wherever it is i hope it's at kentucky i do think that there's uh he could be a high level type player think of Derek willis it was kind of a similar situation with Derek where kyle just refused to play him the first couple of years and then he finally break through broke through in the rotation and then look by his senior year he was starting and a a major major contributor on that team so you never know but i just don't envision uh that scenario playing out i just i just don't think um that's one that'll work i i, I checked with some things today and Bryce Hopkins there was a report I think it was a fake account that Bryce had entered the transfer portal I checked he is not in the portal as of this afternoon so uh, maybe as of tonight or tomorrow morning or tomorrow late the rest of this week I don't know but as of right this minute he has not hit the portal yet Uh, I have said on this show several times that I think he will end up hitting the portal and I do think that uh, DePaul is a school to watch out for him maybe Kenny Payne uh, recruits him to Louisville there was some talk about Providence kind of uh, emerging, they were the runner-up in his first recruitment the first time around. So uh, maybe they make a push, but I think it would be DePaul and Louisville kind of duking it out for uh, his services if he does decide. But again, I, I think the world of, of Bryce and think he could be a major, major contributor. I, I really wish of all the potential guys, I think he's the guy that I'm kind of looking at. It's man, that'd be a huge loss long term if if Kentucky somehow lost him. But um, Lance is a different one because. Uh, oddly enough, I'm, I, you know, if you remember, I, I participated in that fantasy camp, uh, played and, you know, about tore both my ACLs and my meniscus and knee and ankles and just about every bone in my body was about to break. But uh, they released the news for the next season, this, this upcoming uh this upcoming summer and he was the player that released a quote for it in the press release and he said i can't wait to be back next year it's going to be a great time so on and so forth And i know what does a stupid one week camp in the middle of of the summer mean for anything but i will say it it does kind of indicate something that he is in his mind is planning on being here at least through this offseason so uh, you know, maybe his mind changes or whatever, but I've always heard that he's a four-year guy, a guy that's in so. no, no rush to leave, no rush to explore his options unless 
you know, a guy like Kenny Payne comes calling and says, look, I want you to be my starting five next year, right down the street, you know, maybe something like that, an opportunity like that could be one that, that entices him. But, uh, if, uh, assuming things stand put as they are right now, I, I don't envision him leaving. So uh, if you were, if, if you were going to, if I were to guess, I think Dante and Bryce both leave and, and Lance comes back. Yeah. And, and I hope Lance is on the roster next year. I, I really like Lance. I, I like his attitude. I like what he brings and his commitment to being a long-term piece. If that has been the commitment all along, then he stays true to that. I, I think he has a bright future and will make an impact on the next couple of teams at Kentucky. And, I hope he's on it. I just was looking at this thing and thinking, you know, you got Damian coming back. If you get Toppin, you've got Chris coming in. You, you've got all these pieces, and, and you kind of look at that thing, and you could see a log jam there again. Same thing with Bryce. Like, there's there's going to have to be some attrition because there's so many bodies at Kentucky. Not everybody's going to get an opportunity to play, and everybody wants an opportunity to play. So that that's yeah. one reason I was looking at. And does, does Oscar surprise and come back? Does, does that do anything? Do they hit the portal for a five? I mean, there's a lot still has to play out. I, I keep going back to last year with with Devin Askew and you know the report. And he, I mean, his dad literally told you he's going to be at Kentucky, and then <laughs> we're sitting here a week later and like, no, like he, he's not. Like we, I want to let all these conversations happen. Kind of let the the portal. Who's reaching out? Who are they reaching out to? Because I think when you start getting that, once that first domino falls, though, the big one, not like a, a Damien coming back, but I'm talking a big one, like a Ty Ty or an Oscar or something like that. Once one of those dominoes fall, then I think it's kind of a nonstop thing that it just keeps falling, keeps falling, and then it starts to take shape. And then you can start to see, okay, there's a place here, there's not a place here, or there is a place here, but it's not immediate. It's beyond this coming year. So, once that first one falls, we'll have a clearer picture on exactly what's going on. I'll go down the list and, and as we wrap up, because there's one player that I do want to uh, single out as a, a new transfer portal name that just hit, and then we'll, we'll call it a show. But uh, I'll go through and do my, uh, my uh, going through the roster of this season and go stay or go for each player based on what I've heard, who I've talked to, just kind of educated guesses for some of them if I haven't talked to them. Um, Jacob Toppin back. I think that's kind of a, a one that everybody is kind of penciling in. Um, I think there's a lot of confidence in him long term. CJ Frederick back, obviously. Xavier Wheeler, he's a guy that I do think on his end, it kind of, I don't want to say it reminds me of Devin Askew, but I do think there's a little bit more stuff going on there that it might be one of those. It, does John Calipari think that he's the right guy? for this team moving forward? Is it the right fit at point guard? Is that who he wants and thinks can lead to a championship? I think him on his end, he wants to come back. And I think that his, you know, his camp has said that uh, they're making a fortune with NIL and have no reason to leave because, you know, the, the they're making more here than they would going, you know, overseas somewhere or whatever. So he's an interesting one to keep an eye on. I think I would guess that that Cal would definitely want him back and think he'd be an awesome guy to get, especially after losing Sky Clark. You need bodies. You need point guards. Uh, you know, I, I know there's going to be some some great options that hit the portal, but uh, that is an interesting one that I would keep an eye on. I'm expecting him back based on what Savier wants, but I still haven't heard yet on Kentucky's end about how they see things moving forward. So keep an eye on that one. Ty Ty. Hold on. Me, me, let me throw something in here. So when you lose to St. Peter's in the first round of the NCAA tournament, as a coach, John Calipari, it feels like he's at will to make any decision he wants to make now. Yeah, I do and, too. and I think that kind of opens the door for that. That maybe a month ago we weren't looking at, but you, if you're wanting to reassess your whole program, you kind of have to after you've lost to St. Peter's in the opening round. And then you went 9-16 and 16 the year before. If Cal feels like there's someone else out there to run the show, I'm all for it if it's, if it's a better option. Absolutely. Yeah, so that that's definitely one to keep an eye on. It if it were up to him, I definitely think he'd come back. But uh, I, I just you know, you you never know. Like you said, after a loss to St. Peter's in the first round, you just maybe he looks at it and goes, he's a five nine turnover prone, can't shoot jump shots, uh, point guard that struggled mightily with you know kind of i mean he he crumbled down the stretch he just did i mean that was how, a, how does that work with the portal how does that work with the portal though if you've already transferred and you and use that how does that work 
Well, I, I think the official board. rule is that you have to that he would have to apply for a waiver if he went anywhere else because it is a one-time transfer rule. But uh, I mean, shoot, Joey Gatewood entered the transfer portal, point. Uh, you know, late summer, and then three weeks later played week one for UCF. So yeah. uh, I mean, it's kind of one of those. Uh, he transferred twice, and he used the the, the portal twice, and, and well, one time transfer rule for both, and he he got eligible twice. So yeah, and one of these things too, where the previous school, if they help out, then some things get worked out quicker too. Yeah, so I I I would pencil him in, but definitely don't write that in pen. Um, Ty Ty, think he's gone. Uh, I I know his stock kind of dipped late because of injury stuff, but I think he's a pro, and I don't think that there's any. Uh, reason to get too, too worked up about the possibility of him returning. Damian Collins coming back, obviously. Mintz, unfortunately, gone. Dante Allen, I think he's gone. Keon Brooks, gut tells me he's gone and will try to pursue something else. And, and you know, maybe he goes pro. Maybe it's the portal to, you know, go back home, whatever. But my gut tells me um, that, he, that he goes. And I know that there were conversations last offseason about leaving. And and um, I, I do think that it was kind of a, this is my last hurrah. Let's see how it goes type deal. So um, haven't talked to anybody on his side yet, but my, my gut was going into the year that this would be his last year and nothing has changed on that front. Uh, Zan Payne, interesting, interestingly enough, I, I think he'll follow uh, his dad to, to Louisville. I think the opportunity to play for his dad is too much. And, you know, I know, I know it doesn't really matter because he's a walk on, but I, I know he's a roster body and it's something to keep an eye on. Shaden Sharp, I will say he goes pro, uh, but I think it's like 65 35. I think it's closer than people think, not 90 10, like some people think. Bryce Hopkins, I think he goes. Kellen Grady gone. Oscar Sheboy. Something tells me he finds a way to get the NIL stuff worked out, that the federal legislation comes and comes through in the clutch and they get it all figured out and he's able to come back because I think all, all it's waiting is I think he wants to come back and I think he's always wanted to come back. Uh, but if he can't make money with NIL, he's not going to come back. He cares more about his family and making sure that he can get that situated uh, more than anything else. So I, I think if he can't help his family with money, then he's going to go find a way to make that money immediately. If if um, if he can get it here, then I clearly think that this is the best option. I've heard that he can make as much as $5 million at Kentucky next year, something absurd like that, several million dollars at the very least. So uh, I don't think money, money will be an issue for him at all if everything's worked out uh, here in Lexington. But I've said on the show several times, it's just way more complicated. Matt went on the radio show uh, earlier today and, and kind of went through the specifics. We'll talk about that. Um, as we kind of get closer to his decision, I've heard that we're still a couple weeks away at minimum. So um, I definitely think that that's definitely one to keep an eye on. Uh, if if it all works out, I expect him back. If it doesn't, he's gone. I mean, I just don't think there's even a, a you know any whispers or tweets or I'm hearing that he's leaning this direction. None of that stuff is is true at all. None of it makes any sense because. Uh, he's in a waiting a waiting game for his uh, with, with this federal legislation. So uh, until that gets figured out, then we will not hear anything on on that front, Sean. And then uh, Lance Ware is the last guy, and I, I'm predicting he comes back. So there's there's the roster predictions. So so you do so you feel the same way I feel that of the top, they'll get one of them back. Yeah, I, I think something something. Yeah, I, yeah. I think something's going to work and, out in Kentucky's favor with the, with the NIL stuff that they're going to find a loophole. They're going to find that they're going to come through with the legislation, and they're going to they're going to make it happen. And to me, that's the most important thing right now is you got to get something from the top. And if it's Oscar, some fans are going to be a little bit more forgiving for how the season ended. Not totally forgiving, but I think the hype and the excitement will be around it again because they love Oscar. And I think that would be big to kind of go into this offseason in this summer and the, the healing process of getting over what happened and kind of some optimism for next year. If they get him and Sharp back, I think that it could be a preseason top five roster, though. Yeah, I think that's something that Calipari is clearly hoping for. Um, I, shoot, <laughs> I think everybody in in the world of, of, of Kentucky basketball is clearly hoping for that to unfold. Um, I mean – uh, I we'll see. I am hoping that Kentucky gets both. I, I they need one or the other, or else you're not going to find an Oscar replacement in the portal. You're not going to find. You're sure as hell not going to find uh, a Shaden Sharp replacement in the portal. So uh, that's it's kind of a dangerous game. It's a scary game, but it kind of is what it is at this point. That's the way the roster is constructed, and 
let's hope that that they get some luck because we could use some good news here shortly speaking of good news we'll wrap up the show with this a new name we're trying to do this every show uh, as new names people kentucky reaches out to different players um another just came out trayvon uh brazil out of missouri he is was a freshman there, former three-star prospect, kind of 6'9", 215 type, uh, 215 pounds, kind of that long, athletic, high-potential type guy. Uh, reminds me a lot of Jacob Toppin, averaged two, two blocks a game. Um, he just hit the portal. Kentucky reached out to him. Uh, my guy at, at uh, Blake Smith of Recruit Zone, shout out Blake. He just put out that Kentucky, Arkansas, Illinois, Texas A&M, Ole Miss, and Cincinnati are the schools to reach out to the uh, athletic uh, freshman forward. So uh, just kind of quick thoughts. What do you think of Kentucky reaching out to a guy that I, I kind of kind of reminds me of Jacob Toppin? That's, that's exactly what I was thinking when I'm sitting here reading it is a, is a guy that maybe a lot of people haven't paid attention to, but they must have seen something that they liked in him when they scouted him and when they watched him this year. And I uh, wonder how much of this we're going to get, though, or how many names we're going to see Kentucky popping up on and and stuff like that over the next couple of weeks. It, it's going to be interesting to follow, but it, it's good to see that there's activity because, I mean, that's that's what moves the needle this time of year is roster attrition and transfer portal and NBA draft and all that. But uh, looking at that, some uh, pretty solid schools there on its list. Uh, not a bad lineup, 6.6 points per game. 5.1 rebounds per game and, and another young piece. It feels like one of those that would be like a Jacob Toppin where it'd be a multiple year piece. So I guess it all depends on what your roster looks like around it. Yeah, I think that'd be if if Bryce leaves and Keon leaves, I think he'd be an awesome replacement. I'm expecting a huge jump for Jacob Toppin next year. He could be kind of the role that Jacob's playing now. I think and I think Jacob would jump up and play the role that Keon had now. And Damian would kind of be that floating four and five to either start or back up Jacob or however they want to do it. I think he'd kind of be that floating uh, front court piece, but uh, I, I think he'd be a great addition, and and uh, it's interesting. Average 6.6 points, 5.1 rebounds, and 1.9 blocks on the year. But uh, the last five games for Missouri, he averaged 12 points, uh, 8.2 rebounds, and two blocks per game. Uh, you, you look – I always kind of judge um, a transfer name based on the fan reaction to that departing player, if it's a good get or a bad get. And Missouri fans are devastated to see this kid go. Think yeah. that he's a star in the making and said, this guy, I can't believe we're losing him. Um, so if you can get a guy like that, that that the fan base is devastated to lose, uh, I clearly think it's something that you should be excited about because they got to see this kid more than anybody. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, last year it was a little different. Kentucky kind of knew that its season was going to be over with a lot sooner than what it was. And Kellen Grady was the first name to pop up. I believe what a week, maybe a week after the season ended, that one was done pretty quickly. So I don't know, like, do they, does a transfer commit first? And we know the Davion Mintz recruitment was super quiet. I remember talking to you on the phone almost two years ago about how quiet that one was. Uh, so do they get a quiet one here pretty soon, or do they have, or do they wait and kind of let roster decisions play out before transfers start committing? I, I have no idea. I, right now, I have no, I just, I have no clue where this thing goes. Like, how many from the portal? What does Shaden Sharp do? You know, you've got Kaysen and Chris Livingston coming in. There's a lot that has to play out over the next few months. Yeah, and we'll be here for the ride. It's been a, a lot of fun already, and uh, it, it felt good. You know, we got the the negative stuff off our chest. We're past it. We're we're now thinking of you know the building blocks for next season, and and uh, uh, it's going to be a fun off season. I'm I'm looking forward to. It. We have uh, uh, events coming up. Uh, I know we have Jordan Brand Classic coming up on April 15th, and uh, EYBL after that, and and it's going to be a, a summer full of stuff. So um, make sure that you're tuned in. Make sure you're subscribed. Give us a five star review. We love to hear uh, your feedback. It's been uh, a fun ride, fun season, and we're going to uh, keep building that momentum forward for uh, the next season. Let's get out of here with one quick message from our friends at Prize Picks. We are in the 
home stretch of the NBA season, and there isn't a better way to enjoy watching your favorite former Wildcats play than by playing daily fantasy with our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the simplest form of real money daily fantasy sports and just pits you against the numbers, whether you're a fantasy sports nut or casual basketball fan looking to add some excitement to the game. Prize Picks is the perfect game for you. You simply select two to five players and predict if they were go over or under their projection. Prize Picks gives you the chance to win 10 times your money for getting four or five predictions correct. Download the Prize Picks app or visit prizepicks.com using promo code Pilgrim to get an instant 100% bonus up to $100 on your first deposit. Don't forget that's the Prize Picks app or prizepicks.com using promo code Pilgrim to claim your bonus today and take your viewing of your favorite former Kentucky stars to the next level. Sean Smith, where can fans find your work? You can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry. Find me on Twitter as well at JackPilgrimKSR. Reach out to me via email at JPilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. With that, we'll be back next time for another jam-packed Source to Say podcast. We will see you then. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.